Good morning. I want you all to remember Brian's duck, right? I'm gonna flip and use the other side today. Um, Philippians chapter four, got your Bibles with you? Let's go disciples, come on. We're gonna, we're gonna get into some scripture today. We are a word and spirit church, but we're not a, we're truly a word and spirit church if we are not in the word. So we're gonna be all over today as we talk about Philippians chapter four. I'm gonna start reading at verse four, and we're gonna go through verse nine. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness, if you've got your study Bible in front of you, I'd circle that word. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, every situation, by prayer and petition, petition meaning asking for things, prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present yourselves, your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guide your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. All right. Do we have the, the, the bookshelf graphic? There we go. Uh, Kevin has been using this in the sanctuary. I think it is so good, because here's the picture. Um, we have been talking about what we think about. And you know what? I guess this isn't going to work, because I need the tray on the other side. Bear with me here. All right. Uh, sorry, Brian. Your duck's got to go. Um, <laughs> that's all right. So, as we think about it, this series, if you look at the bookshelf on the screen there, we have been thinking about how we think, okay? So the question is, what is on the bookshelf of your mind most of the time? So we are thinking <laughs> about how we think. And that's called meta-communication. And it is part of how we are made up and how we navigate life. So let's look at it this way. At the core of our being is our heart and our soul, our spirit, where we have our most intimate, who we really are, okay? And then outside of that, we have what I'm gonna call the will. Let's call this the soul. We got the will, and then 
I have my mind. Here we are, our thoughts, right here, okay? And then we have our emotions. And finally, we have our actions, our words, what everybody sees as we relate to them, okay? Here's what I have learned in my own journey. We don't all think alike, okay? I, um, I am a, uh, a nonlinear thinker, okay? I am uh, an internal processor, which means I have to think through things before I can actually process and talk them out in relationship. And, um, and I am always thinking, and is, at Enneagram 4, my brain is always spinning, and Wendy will tell you that I live in my own little world most of the time. I can be sitting there looking at her and nodding my head, but my brain is thinking about why I would not want to marry Wonder Woman. <laughs> right? Because she's got a lasso of truth, man. That could be abused in so many ways. You know? <laughs> yeah, so who knows what I'm thinking? And Wendy will go, oh, and she's gotten really good because she can call me on it, right? Tom, you're nodding your head, but you're not listening to me, are you? No, I'm not. All right, so Wendy, come on up here. So I'm gonna, Wendy and I, as we were talking on our way um, to the lake last week, we, we were talking about a conflict that we had the night before we left. So, um, Wendy, you're a different thinker than I am. So describe your thinking. Or would you like me to? <laughs> she is a linear thinker, okay? Very rational, very, you know. She is a external processor. I figure out what I'm thinking by talking about it. Yes. And whereas in conflict or when things get stressful, I will turn inward, you turn outward. Yes. Okay. Great. So let's describe, because <laughs> we actually were talking about this on Friday, and I said, I want you to come up and talk about this little, little conversation, this little conflict we had last week, and, and we both had to go, yeah, what was that about? Yeah. I'm trying to remember. But it was very real. So talk about that day. And do you remember kind of what you were feeling? Oh, boy. Um, this is also part of me as I forget these things because they're not important once they've been dealt with. Uh, I was feeling overwhelmed. Yes. There was a lot of stuff going on. We were getting ready to go on a little one-week trip um, with our kids. and We hadn't seen each other. Yes, we hadn't week. seen each other like for a couple days. And we actually, you know, we both home office, so we often see each other very regularly. So to go for a whole, like, we'd had a whole day where we hardly got to talk, and then my, a busy day, and my family the next day, and... And then we were supposed to leave, so... We were going to leave on Friday, yes. and I'm like, I'm, I'm, no. So you also, um, 
she is a forward thinker. She is a yes. future thinker. She's always thinking about what needs to happen next. I am a past. I'm a backward thinker. I'm He's always looking never thinking about what needs to happen next. Right. So, so in her feeling like we have to leave tomorrow and we have to be ready to leave tomorrow and we have to pack, you had asked something of me. We're getting ready for bed. Yep. Well, hold like, on a second. The day before or that morning, I don't remember okay. which, I had asked this thing so, of you. So actions and words, right? We were sitting on the couch watching television before we went to bed, and I noticed in Wendy's actions, it was so subtle, but I noticed that she didn't want to touch me. And she didn't want me to touch her. There was this like little invisible force <laughs> field right here. <laughs> And that is so not like us nope. at all. Unless I'm mad, and then so it's that, very like right, us. So that action, <laughs> that action stirred the emotions inside of me. And because you had emotions going on inside of you, mm -hmm. and my emotions were like, uh-oh, what's wrong? And because I'm a shame-based thinker, I'm always thinking, what did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? Why, I, yeah, I must have done something, what did I do? Okay, so I'm already feeling shame and blaming myself. But you were feeling what? Overwhelmed. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> I felt like I was spinning all sorts of plates and my mind was on the 10,000 things that needed to be accomplished yep. and the things that you weren't helping me with, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. okay. So we're getting ready for bed, brushing our teeth, doing all sorts of things, and she asked me, about the one thing she had asked me to do, uh -huh. which was to pick up my prescription at Hy-Vee. And she said, did you pick up your prescription at Hy-Vee? And I said, no. Which, then how did you react to that? I can't remember any of my words. <laughs> uh, it wasn't that bad, it no. was just, I, I just, I would say it made me fall apart just a little bit because mm -hmm. I had been thinking about the 12,000 other things and then I had wanted him to do this one thing and I just kind of lost it because I was like, I don't understand why you can't do the one thing I asked you to do. So the as one thing. external processor who is, gets out her emotions, she got out her emotions. I did. Here's the thing, she said. Why am I angry? And so I'm sitting there brushing my teeth and she's starting to tell me all the things that she's angry about. So one thing I asked you to do and you didn't do it and this is the last, this is not the first time because it's not. And <laughs> this is a pattern of behavior and I would just like you once to, and so she, all of this is coming out. I always, I, I've learned about Wendy early on that she's kind of like a steam valve with her emotions. Mm -hmm. You know, would you? Yeah, yeah, that's fair. So when she feels something, it's, here comes the emotions, but then once it's out, all the pressure is gone, and she forgets what she was even mad about. That's the way it works. Mm -hmm. So she is feeling all of her feelings, her frustration with me, anger in the moment, you didn't do this. I am listening to this, and again, Wendy is an Enneagram uh, uh, mm -hmm. eight, which is part of the anger triad. So she, that's kind of, uh, her anger is coming out. I'm in the shame triad. So as we're sitting here and I'm listening to her, 
Her words are creating in me emotions. Her emotions are creating words. Isn't that interesting? But because we process differently, her words are going to create shame in me. I'm a bad person, I'm a bad person. So um, as I'm sitting there thinking, I'm immediately feeling like, well, I just can't do anything right. I am, I'm worthless, I'm a worthless husband. I can't do anything right. Which is really unhelpful. Yes, <laughs> it is unhelpful. Because I know from my experience and having worked through a lot of how I think, I have to learn to think about what I'm thinking in the moment. Now, one of the interesting things about what Wendy was saying in her words, and I don't know if you remember exactly what you said, but at one point, you caught yourself and you said to me, I know what? Well, I said, I know I'm not being reasonable. This is something we can do on the way out of town tomorrow. I'm aware. Because I immediately, as a past thing, I'm just thinking, okay, well, we can just pick it up on, this is not a big deal. That was not the point. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It's really, she's absolutely right. It's not the point. But she says, yeah. I know I'm not being reasonable. But I also knew that he was already thinking all of the things he said he was thinking. Because we've had this argument before. So I knew he was thinking all of his shame stuff and blaming himself, which I find unuseful. So I, was, I wanted to stop that by acknowledging that this is a ridiculous argument. Yes. And at this point, I'm not saying anything because I'm an internal processor. So I'm, my mind is spinning, my emotions are spinning. And she's sitting there talking and I'm just sitting there nodding with my toothbrush in my mouth, okay? Um, but as she said, look, I know I'm thinking about my thinking, and I know that my words are coming from my anger and frustration from my emotions, and it's not necessary, reasonable or rational in this moment. I am thinking about, if I was really feeling my shame, in you know, an earlier version of me, a less mature version of me would go, okay, well, I'm just gonna go sleep on the couch downstairs because you hate me and I'm a worthless husband. But I've learned that that's not true. I have learned that in this moment as I'm feeling these emotions, I have to think about what I'm thinking. And I know that what Wendy is saying is not that I'm a bad husband or that I, I'm, I'm wrong or I'm bad. So I'm having to tell myself, my will is having to tell my mind that, that what I'm feeling with the shame is not real. Mm -hmm. It's not true, okay? So we, you get it out. Yep. Okay. Yep. Then I acknowledge it, I own it, you're right, I should have, you're right, you do everything, this was a little ask and I didn't do it, correct. I own it, I confess it. And I will endeavor to do better next time. I get into bed. And as I'm sitting there in bed, still my mind is spinning and my heart's spinning, my emotions are spinning. Wendy comes into the room 
and she leans over the bed and she looks me straight in the eye. And she said, remember? I love you. (laughs) (laughs) She looked me in the eye and she said, I love you. And I said, I love you. And that was the end. But what I want you to hear is that in that process, in this conflict between us, between people who think very differently, our brains process things differently, we had to think in the moment about what we were thinking and what we were feeling, and that became part of our communication. And one of the things that Wendy and I have said from the very beginning of our, of our relationship is that this is never questioned. I know in my heart of hearts that Wendy loves me. She is my greatest champion, my best friend, the person who supports me and wants the best for me more than any person in this world. And she knows the same is true about me. So while we're having actions and words and feelings, this is the foundation. And it allows us then to think about our thinking and think about our words and think about our emotions and process them together even though we do it differently. Make sense for people? You with me now? Okay. Wendy, thank you. Say thank you to Wendy, would you? So, um, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse five. We got that, that scripture there. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse five. Here's what we're talking about, and here's what Paul said. I'm going to put this right up here. 2 Corinthians 10, 5. But we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take what? Captive. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. In other words, we use our will to say, I am going to think about how I'm thinking, and I am going to consciously, willfully take captive my thoughts in the moment, and I am going to do what with my mind? Let's go back to the bookshelf. Can we do that? I am going to think about things that are true and noble and right and pure and lovely and excellent and praiseworthy, okay? And one of the things we've been learning in this this series, and and Kathy did a great job with it last week, you know, we started kind of thinking about this as, as separate words and separate concepts with every word, but the reality is they all work together. They all bleed over into one another. And we're really talking about the totality of what we're thinking about our thinking. So today, the word is pure. So let's talk about pure. Now, here's my experience with pure. That purity is, I was always taught this kind of moral purity. And there was this list, okay? And the list included, um, purity is don't drink, dance, smoke, chew, or go with girls who do. Um, Don't miss church. 
Don't you have sex before you're married. Don't listen to that devil's music. Don't name it. Name it. And we have all of these, this list of purity. But the way it was communicated is up here we have God. Here's the Trinity. And then here's my community of believers. Here's my church and my family surrounding me. And in, you remember last year when I talked about fundamentalism and the tenets of fundamentalism and the fact that Jesus was dealing with fundamentalists uh, in, in the Pharisees and Sadducees? You see, in this system, it is all about doing the things I need to do that are expected of me by God and my community of believers or my family in order to be acceptable. And we called it purity culture. Does it mean that these things are, are, are wrong? No, not at all. We're gonna to get to that in just a second. But what I want you to see is that in this system, purity is about me and it's about me doing the things that are expected of me by the system in order to be acceptable. And if I don't do these, I will be canceled. I will be thrown out, I will become ostracized, okay? And I'm even made to feel that if I, if I don't keep this list, that God himself is not going to be happy with me. And I can talk about being saved by grace, by faith, all I want, but if my system is telling me that this is the most important thing, then I am going to realize that this the saved by grace through faith, that's not the reality. This is the reality that I deal with every day in my relationships with the people in my community. Okay? Now what we realize in, as you look at purity, let's grab our Bibles, please. Go to James chapter three. James chapter three. Verse 17. And I'm going to write that right up here. So, and put period. James 3 17. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure. Now, I want you to notice the punctuation after pure, it's a semicolon. Okay? Do you remember when we talked about the fruits of the Spirit? And we talked about the fact that the way it's written in the Greek, it's really, it, it kind of denotes that it, the fruit of the Spirit is love, and love is defined by joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness. Same thing here. What James is saying is, first of all, wisdom from above, from God, is pure. Well, then all of the next descriptors are describing the purity that James brings up. Peace-loving, Considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial, and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. 
noticed that every word that James uses is relational. You, you don't, you're not peace-loving by yourself. You're not submissive unless there's another to be submissive to. You're not considerate if there's not another to consider. Now, we're not going to take the time this morning, but I would encourage you, let's put these scriptures up. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 are the fruits of the Spirit. And I would encourage you to go this week and go through the list. List all of the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. We did a whole series on them. Same thing. Was there anything in that list that said, yes, the fruit of the Spirit is going to church every Sunday? The fruit of the Spirit is not having sex before you're married. The fruit of the Spirit, no, had nothing to do with moral, personal moral purity. Oh, does that mean you're, Tom, wait a minute, are you saying that that's not right? No, I'm not saying that. We're going to get there, okay? But I want us to understand, we can go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7, do the same thing. Look at all the words that describe love. Are any of them about moral behavior, or are they all about relationships with other? So here is what purity really is. Okay? Me in relationship with somebody else. And relationship with God. Let's now go to Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 40. Okay, Matthew 22, 34 through 40. Let me grab there. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with his question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, don't mow your lawn on Sunday. Oh, no. Don't have sex before you're married. Oh, oh no. No. Make sure that you're in church every Sunday. Jesus said the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. So purity, as James defined it, is that in my relationships with others, and here's my community, the people I come in contact with, this is my coworker, this is the server at the restaurant, here's the clerk at, at uh, Casey's. In my relationships with others, because Christ loved me, we love because he first loved us. And when the love of Christ transforms my heart, this is why it's so important to have a relationship with Christ, because it all starts at the heart. And if the heart isn't transformed, this is where we end up. But if he transforms my heart, now I want to love others the way that I have been loved. And in my love of others, it's Jesus channeling his love through me to 
everyone. And how does that look? How is that pure? Well, it's considerate in all of those words. It's kind, it's gentle, it's faithful, it's forgiving, it's gracious, it's patient. So why do I want to be in church every Sunday? Because it's expected of me? No. Because I love you. And I love being in this room, worshiping God with you, seeing you, smiling at you, hugging you, thinking about you, praying for you during the week. That's why I want to be in church, because I want to be with you and with God together. Why would I not have sex before I'm married? Because when I married Wendy and I made love to her on our wedding night, I wanted, I wanted our relationship to that point to not be about the act of sex, which is out here, and the satisfaction and emotions of sex that are out here. I wanted my relationship with Wendy to start here and move its way this way. Because I knew if we didn't start here, and we knew this together, this only muddles everything up. See, most of us live, and you can, you can ask Gina or Matthew or Karen Cleveland or anybody who talks to people in therapy or in counseling every day, most of us live right here in our emotions and our mind. And our emotions often rule the mind. I'm, I'm, I, I'm afraid. So my fear produces behaviors in me that end up being destructive. Well, how do we change that? Well, we change it by, by thinking about our thinking and getting back to what do we know in our heart, that perfect love casts out all fear. And we can go to the Word and we can go to the Spirit and we can then train our mind and take captive those thoughts so that I'm not always afraid when I am relating to other people in my life. Our daughter, so one of the family, how am I doing here? All right, I'm just One of the classic family stories is our daughter Taylor, who was like a senior, junior, senior in high school, came home, we were at dinner, and she said, I wanna talk about something. And I said, okay. She said, so I was at this party and she named one of her best friends and she was really, really drunk. And, and so she started throwing up and she was like really, really sick. So I was in the bathroom with her, trying to take care of her, holding her head and she has this emotional breakdown and she just, she starts talking about how she's an awful person and how she's, you know, she's kind of having this drunken, emotional, uh, you know, rant. And Taylor's just like going, I didn't know, I didn't know what, to, I mean, I'm just trying to take care of her. I didn't know what to do. And parents' emotions, where were you at this party? And who was with you? I want names. And why were you at a party with alcohol? I want to know who it was, and you're grounded for two weeks, and you know better than to go be at a party where people are drinking. 
shame on you. So I am feeling those emotions. Wendy and I looked at it, and I still remember Wendy and I looking at each other like going. And then, here's what I want for my daughters. And I said this all along. I want them to be like Jesus. And in my mind, my will said, hold on a second. Don't react to this. Think about this for a second. Taylor was not concerned about us shaming her for being at a party that she knew we didn't want her to be at. What Taylor was concerned about was her friend. I wanted to be a good friend to my friend who was drunk and I was trying to take care of her and I was trying to deal with all of these emotions that she was having and I wanted to love her well, but I didn't know how to do that. I think that's pretty good, don't you? I think that her, her motivation, the thing that she was most concerned about was her friend. Now, we can deal with having this conversation about, so tell me about the party. We can get there, we can have that conversation, but that's not where it begins. It begins here. How do you love your friend well? when your friend makes a mistake and isn't doing very well. One other one, quick one, and then we're gonna close. Wendy and I, um, Wendy was a server back in college days. She talks about uh, working on Sundays here in Pella, um, where all the families go after church, and she talks about her experiences, you can ask her, of um, people tipping her with a tract. And you know, Christians coming in after church and basically not tipping at all, here I want you to know Jesus, without e even knowing that she knows Jesus. So what kind, how is that considerate, kind, generous, loving? It's not. So as we talked about it early in our marriage, when he was just like going, we're gonna be generous when we go out to eat. We are. And so our whole marriage, we have tried to be very generous whenever we go out to eat. Doesn't matter where we're at. We, we try and tip well and, and generously. And one time when we did the reverse offering, do you remember that? When every, church gave everybody a $100 bill and said, here, just do something with it. Wendy knew immediately what she was gonna do with it. There was a server that had been serving us and our friends for, for quite a while did a great job. And we just kind of loved her. And so Wendy used that $100 bill as a tip. And I'll never forget, we were sitting at the table and the server came, make it a beeline <laughs> to Wendy. Boom, hugged her, crying. And to this day, I can tell you that's probably about 10 years ago, maybe. And to this day, at tulip time this year, we're doing the Domini Maria thing in front of the Sculpty House, and this server saw us, made a beeline, hugged us, <laughs> tearing up. We have an opportunity to be a witness to this person. 
Why? Because we want to be kind and considerate and loving and generous and to be the kind of people that would want to be just like Jesus. So, we're going to end up. Why would I... Why do I do these things? Why, are the, why is the moral purity important? Because of if I am impure, if I am immoral, it will affect my relationship with the people who mean the most to me in life. So here's what I want to do as we get ready for communion. And Mike, Don, you can come up. In our exam this morning, as we get ready to have communion, I'd like you to think, number one, in your conscience, in your heart, if there is a moral impurity that you're struggling with, I would like you to think of it this morning in terms of how does my moral impurity impact the important people in my life? because I'm being secretive, because I'm being deceitful, because I'm not being honest, I'm not being true, because I am whatever it is. Second, I would like you to think about the people in your life and your relationships. And if there is a relationship in which you are not being kind, you are not being forgiving, you are not being gracious, you are not being considerate, you are not being loving, you are not being gentle, you are not being patient, that I would encourage you, as you come to communion, and you take the cup and you take the bread, will you confess to Jesus that you have not been like Jesus? And will you commit to doing the one thing that Jesus asked, and that is to love?